0: Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of 5 on 3 WFUV's podcast for all things NHL and hockey generally. This is a fun little nighttime rendition of 5 on 3. It's currently 11.20 p.m. And I know that this episode is coming out a little bit later than our usual episodes, but... We had some technology issues, rather I had some technology issues, where both my phone and computer ceased to work for a couple of days, and that was incredibly stressful. But you know what? I am here with the one, the only, Nick Palmer. And here we are. Yeah, air horn sounds. Here we are recording in our nighttime rendition of Five on Three, very late in the week. But nevertheless, we still have many things to talk about. First of all, Nick, how are you doing this fine evening?
0: Honestly, I'm I'm happy that we're doing this now. Um it feels like a good way to recap the week. Um and we're also going into the All-Star break weekend. So it actually feels like, you know, not only can we recap the week, we can recap uh pretty much the entire first half of the season. So, um looking forward to getting into a little bit of that, talking about the local teams, talking about I've have, I've have some strong opinions about the All-Star game as an institution. Oh, okay. Uh, like I'm excited. To talk about.
1: I would. I would love to talk uh, about. That yeah, because let's it's get controversial. into it. Let's get into it. Yeah, All Star Game is a controversial uh, happening in the hockey world, which I find very interesting. So I can't wait to touch on that. But first, let us dive right into the local teams. As you said, we're kind of halfway through the season, which is remarkable that we're already, you know, in January. Um, feels like the season just started. But let us first dive into the New York Rangers. They last won four to one against the Vegas Golden Knights, which was very exciting for them. I believe on Thursday, on Thursday, that happened um, huge game for them. Honestly, their next game obviously is not until February 6th post all-star break, but they currently sit with 62 points, a record of 27, 14 and 8, third in the Metropolitan division. And I mean, though they have been, as we know, very up and down this entire year, I will say I think this is an okay point for them to be at right now. I think that I am neither thrilled nor am I scared, which I think is fine. And Rangers fans can be at least satisfied with what's happened so far, though, of course, they are hungry for more because they were predicted to be this all-star power team at the beginning of the year that was essentially a Stanley Cup final guarantee, according to a lot of people. Now it's not really looking like that because they are pretty inconsistent. They're finding a lot of trouble, you know, making their conversions happen. Um, on the power play I feel and I don't know they've been shuffling lines all year as we know coach Gallant is kind of done answering questions about that but yeah I mean what are your what are your thoughts as as we hit this point for the Rangers because it's it's been a year for them it's been an interesting year so far
0: yeah you know the the kid line looks good and specifically Philip Cheadle he's looked fantastic he's really like sort of found his groove and not only against the Knights um, but even when they dropped that game in overtime against the Leafs earlier in the week And even against Florida as well, this line has always sort of like been a fantasy for Rangers fans, uh, since you obviously want to see all the super young stars playing together and feeding off each other. Mm -hmm. Um, But it turns out it could be a great combination down the road. And I'll I'll say now I'm fully sold on Alexi Lafreniere. And even though he's not leading the scoring on this team, I don't think he has to. And that's Mm. really important for a team that wants to go far, not only this season, but in the future. Because in a way, he has the Panerans and the Zibana Jets that are taking the scoring burden off of his shoulders, and he can continue to develop as a player working on the little things that will be a lot more important when he needs to achieve star status, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that he's been a fairly, not controversial figure, I don't think that's the word to use here, but people have varying opinions on him, especially this season, you know, some are saying they should trade him they should saying that at the at the deadline he should be a pawn for them to trade he should be something to help them get like patrick Kane and things like that other people are saying you absolutely can't trade him because he's a member of this kid line that's so powerful and you know the caco heatle laffy uh line that has formed is really powerful and they all obviously like you said feed off each other really well and it's it's undeniable that you know when that line is on they are on but the hard part is that it's not the kid line we saw last year in the playoffs, you know, that was just so unstoppable and such a key part of their Eastern Conference final run. And I don't think it's quite that this year, though not bad by any means, but, you know, and I mean, Igor obviously having a year for himself as he has always, and he continues to be incredible and make a, you know, Hall of Fame run career. But I think that this team still has a lot of holes they need to fill because, you know, if they end up versus Tampa Bay again, if they end up versus Carolina in these playoffs, yeah they are capital S screwed. There is no way. I think that they are making it past game five or six at this point and how they're playing versus a powerhouse like Carolina versus someone like Boston. If they end up against them in some sort of conference, something, I don't know. Yeah. Like there's, there's just no way, you know?
0: Yeah. But I mean, that's, that's why they have the, I think they have a really big second half to prove themselves. It's, it's for the consistency. If, if they can get – if they can – if the kid line can stay hot throughout the second half, everyone's getting hot at the right time, I think they'll have no problem cruising to a conference final. But you just need sort of everyone firing on all cylinders, you know, the entire yeah. rest of the season, Yeah,
1: Yeah, absolutely. When they come yeah. back on February 6th, they play the Flames, followed by the Canucks, followed by the Kraken, to then go on um, a four-game road trip where it's Carolina – Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. So, wow. I think that'll be that'll be an interesting stretch for them. Absolutely, when we return, and I, I don't know. I think that if they can, if they can go on that road trip and take mm, two of four, I'll be satisfied with that. If they can go fifty on that road trip, I'd be happy as a Rangers watcher.
0: I would. I I would say that that's a fair. Um sort of expectation to set i think it aren't, aren't all those teams from like you know alberta and um saskatchewan they, they go out to msg first and then the rangers fly out west like is that sort of what's happening
1: um i'm trying to look back at what has happened so far this year yeah they've already played edmonton um they've
0: already played okay
1: yeah they've played edmonton at home uh they've played how they do they lost uh, 4-3. Right. So yeah, that was a 4-3 loss against them. They did the back-to-back with the Senators, So obviously they're not playing now because they've done both with the Senators, both in Ottawa and then back at home. Obviously, they're not playing them again. But everyone else, I think it'll be interesting. I'm trying to see if they've played the Canucks and everyone so far this year. I thought they yeah. had, but I don't know.
0: The um, You're right. So Sort of the larger point is that like, if you don't pick up a game against... The red-hot Oilers at home, that's fine. Um, Hopefully you beat the Canucks. Um, if you don't pull one out against the Krakens, not the end of the world. You yeah. know, it's it. the Western Conference is weak, but y- you they play a full 60 minutes, so you got to be careful.
1: That they do, which has been a struggle for the Rangers all year. Speaking of another team that struggles to play a full 60 minutes, the New York Islanders, as much as I love them, you can't deny, you can't deny that they play that they don't play a full 60. In my opinion, it always happens where either they start off, have a wicked period one and then periods two and three are tough, or they have a tough period one and two and come back in period three for some sort of comeback game. You know, as a, for the fans at home, Nick Palmer is wearing his Islander shirt and just donned his Islander scarf. We know that he is in fact a fan of the blue and orange, which I mean, I'm I'm not anti Islanders by any mean. Um, they won their last game. also versus Vegas as Vegas made their East Coast road trip. Uh, And they currently sit with 55 points, 25, 22, and five sixth in the Metropolitan Division. I think what's interesting to me about these Islanders is that everyone at the beginning of the season was like, last year was a fluke. Last year was a fluke. This is an Eastern Conference final team. This is a Stanley Cup team. They have the same core that they did when they made that run, you know, three years ago or whatever it was. And it's essentially the same team, most most things considered. It's pretty much the same team. Obviously, new head coach, a couple other players. But that's the thing is that I, at this point, am not willing to say last year was a fluke. I'm willing to say they should not have been as bad as they were last year because a lot of that was circumstantial. But it's showing me that they are not the team that I think everyone expected them to be this year or thought they might be this year because I think people gave maybe a little too much credit to circumstances outside of their control and didn't consider that some of it could exactly be the gameplay of the team themselves.
0: I, I yeah, you are always you're always going to find people blaming what they can't control cuz no one wants to admit that their team is garbage. <laughs> um but you know, we were planning on recording this episode earlier in the week. This is before they beat Detroit to nothing. This is before they won last night. Absolutely. And I was I was fuming while thinking of what to say um and the bottom line was that they need to win these two games going into the all-star break regroup and then go on a run agreed um because it's it's really tight there in the metropolitan but but after watching these two games um the new york islanders are back baby i was (laughs) i was at the game last night one word electric 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 andersley with 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 a, a little garbage greaser of a goal, you love to see them crashing the net. The varley chants were echoing throughout UBS Arena. You you take the knights to OT, and then you have my boy Matt Snipe God Barzell, who was totally not goalless in his last 10 games, tucking it with finesse into the top <laughs> corner, Sorokin. Against the Red Wings, the previous night went a perfect 23 for 23. And 2021 All-Star Defenseman Adam Pelic is back in the lineup after injury. And despite my hype, this team is still trash. Their their goaltending is superior. and that, That's it beyond the sort of question. The defensive nightmares ended. Pellick is back, but none of that matters if you can't put the puck in the back of the net. So when you only have two people who can reliably score goals and that's Brock Nelson and Barzi, you know, it's always going to be tough to win because to win you have to score. So now that we see what they're capable of, take it to the all-star break, kick the Flyers teeth in and then go on a run, I guess.
1: You know? Yeah, I agree. Like you said, it's, it's Nelson and Brazil that are really doing that each with 46 and 43 points respectively. After that is, Anders Lee with 35. And after that is Noah Dobson with 27. Yeah. So when Jeez. that's kind of what your your top scores, quote unquote, are looking like, that is tough heading yeah. into this All-Star break. But, you know, all hope is not lost. Like you said, they won these two games. And I think that was huge for morale, for showing that they can do it. And like you said, I think that they needed to win these last two games before the All-Star break, take this break to rest and regroup, figure out what's going on, watch some film from the first half of the year, and head into the second half oh, with yeah. a newfound spirit. I mean, they prior to this game did maybe go on a one, two, three, four, five, six game losing streak. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yep, counted that right. Six game losing streak. Yeah, no,
0: you did. Yep, you I did. It. Sorry.
1: I wasn't sure if it was five or six. Wanted to make sure oh, I got sure that one were. right for right. all the viewers at home. Okay. Um, <laughs> but hey, math is hard, not my strong suit. Um, oh, but, absolutely. Absolutely. But I mean, three of two of those losses were overtime losses. So you got a point, if nothing else, and then an overtime win, which obviously sure. isn't great when it's only when it's two points, other teams still gets one, but at least it's not another team in your direct conference or in your division. That is, I think the same right. It's a Western team, which is okay. But yeah, I mean, they come back, they play the Flyers in Philadelphia. They then play the Kraken, the Canucks, the Canadians, the senators to then go Pittsburgh, Boston, Pittsburgh. That's going to be tough for them, but there are like whatever I said, five games, four games before that, five games that they can prove yeah. themselves against these Canadian teams. I don't think all hope is lost, but I think that they're gonna need to go on uh, quite a run to put themselves in a in an optimal position for the end of the season.
0: yeah, they're they're one of those teams up there in terms of i, I one of my favorite sort of stats to look at is difficulty of schedule mm-hmm. going forward. Um, I always think that's that's really fun because it actually does determine a lot of how well a team's going to do, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I believe the Islanders are somewhere around eight or nine in terms of hardest. So it's not going to be easy. As you said, they play Pittsburgh twice and Boston once. Um, And it's those Pittsburgh games are important, man, because it's going to be between them to see who's who's taken that wildcard spot because Pittsburgh has not been playing well at all. No. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. But it, it's going to be exciting going down the stretch. And this is you start getting into the territory of where every game really matters. And and you're going to see, you know, a, a, a much more tough style of hockey.
1: I think you're absolutely right. And, and that is something this team is fairly good at. You know, they can play physical hockey when they need you. They've got those bigger guys that are able to do that. So I think it's just going to be about taking advantage of that, you know, as we head into this second half of the season. But like we said, all hope absolutely is not lost. I think that is what I'm also going to say, which this is a little shocking. I mean, maybe at the beginning of the season, I, mm, no. At the beginning of the season, I said that the Devils were going to be good. I said they were going to make the playoffs. Looks like I'm right, at least as of now. However, you can't deny they've had a horribly inconsistent season. You can't say that. Much like the Islanders. They've had an incredibly inconsistent season. All three of our New York metropolitan area teams have had these crazy inconsistent seasons. You know, none of them are Bruins. None of them are the Canes right now, which is hard, especially when you're in this Eastern conference. But the Devils currently sit with 68 points, second in that Metropolitan right above the Rangers at third. Their record 32, 13, and four. They also won their last game, 3-2 versus the Stars, That's a big game for me because the stars this year have been ridiculous. They've been much better than I expected them to be. At least maybe I'm the only person who thought that, but at the beginning of the season, I thought the stars were going to be good. I don't think they were going to be as great as they are. So beating them, I think was huge for this team, especially because, you know, it's, it's been interesting for them as of late. They, uh, they won in overtime versus the stars. Lost four, six to the Predators in Nashville. Uh one in overtime against the Knights, one in overtime against the Penguins, lost in overtime against the Kraken, and one in a shootout against the Sharks. So their last, their last games, it's one, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six. Five of their last six games have gone to extra minutes, if not beyond, which is pretty ridiculous for this team. But I mean, I guess it shows they can battle back, but you don't want to have to be winning in overtime or in a shootout, you want to be winning in regulation because every point counts right now.
0: Yeah. The, the I I mean, it's worth mentioning that the stars since the new year haven't had the best go of it. They sort of started off really well and have been tapering off a little bit, but sure. absolutely. I I think that as far as the devils are concerned, I thought the defense looked a little slow against Nashville. I thought even guys like Dougie Hamilton were you know sort of getting out and that caused a lot of the issues um he talked about that in the post game it caused a lot of the breakaways um but i i didn't see that game as a negative i thought Mackenzie blackwood played very well and that's something you needed because the devil's whole problem was are you going to have that consistent goaltending uh both vantage Tech and blackwood you know they, they're 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 holding down the fort, and that's what you need for guys um to shine and with regards to their last game in dallas Jack Hughes continues to look like a superstar, and you know, good for um, good for Miles Wood mm-hmm. for getting a goal. I know he was he was he was goalless in, or I think pointless in eighteen of his last twenty games. Woof. So when you have guys, woof, yeah, so guys like Jack Hughes, Jesper and Dougie Hamilton, it's it's gonna be hard to miss the playoffs with guys like that on your team, yeah. as long as your goaltender is doing their job, which they are
1: which they are. I think that you know Jack Hughes is making a run for everyone's money right now. I find it interesting that he is in conversation for some end of year awards. You know, people were doing some preliminary odds and he's I think Jack Hughes last I checked, it might it might be different now, but I checked I think a week or so ago and he was tied for third I think for the odds for um some for one of the players of the year. I don't remember exactly which award it was, but he was tied for third with odd um third whoa tied for third in odds yeah it's hard to say but i believe that's where he was which is pretty ridiculous he's got 64 points right now after him jesper bratt with 50 after him nico he with 46 after him dougie hamilton with 46 so i mean obviously it's there's going to be a bit of a differential between jack hughes and everybody but good that their top scorers have you know the points that they do this season i am so sad that dawson mercer only has 29 points because he was someone that I was so in love with last year as a player I thought that he was just incredible he was the only player to play in every single game last season for this team on their roster and he did well I think he really proved himself as such a powerful player for this team and it saddens me you know that he's he's only at 29 this year but I don't think that it's cause for concern I don't think it's cause for people to say you know last year was a fluke for him I just I would like to see more out of him. And I think if he starts firing, then it's really a go for the Devils. But right now, you can't deny that they're in a good position. And I'm I'm pleased with them so far. And I think that, you know, the second half of the season hopefully bodes well for them. But it's it's not going to be easy no matter what after this break.
0: No, I, I think you're right. If they can cut the streakiness out of their game, um, you know, even if you look at the point, leaders in the nhl and you look at maybe the top 50 you see a lot of two teams you see a lot of devils and you see a lot of oilers and that's just how that's going to be so you know that's i I think the devils are in a fine position i think they're going to have no trouble making the playoffs even in the eastern conference um yeah and honestly i i think the devils good spot they're doing fine
1: Devils, good spot, doing fine. I think that's a perfect way to put it. They, like I said, will come back to play the Canucks, the Kraken, the Wild, Blue Jackets, Blues, Penguins. That's where they're going after this when they come back also on February 6th and then onwards post this All-Star break. And speaking of the All-Star break, let's get into it. I want to hear your controversial All-Star takes. I think that maybe we should start there because a lot of people in the hockey world find the All-Star game pointless They find it a gimmick and they are frustrated that these star players are not getting the rest that everybody else is getting. They're just going to go do silly, quote unquote, silly hockey tricks for money in a game that means absolutely nothing in an attempt for the league to, you know, cement itself in in more fans minds. So what are your what are your thoughts about that? Because I know a lot of my friends are not um, thrilled with the all star game generally.
0: So th- this this sort of has always been the question, not only in hockey, but in every other sport, is do, do you make the All-Star game mean something? Mm. If you do, you're going to have players playing hard in it. If you don't, players are going to take it easy. Yeah. And, you know, in a sport like baseball, they only recently, you know, what it used to be was the league that wins the All-Star game gets home field advantage in the World Series. Mm-hmm. So players went there you know, trying to secure home field advantage for their team in the World Series, which was worth something, you know. Um, And so the question is, do you do this with hockey? I fundamentally disagree with that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's fair to do that. Um, And I always sort of disliked it in baseball. But then the other side of that is, so why should we care? Yeah. And I've been struggling with that a lot recently. And especially with, I, I don't know about you, I feel more excited to watch the skills competition than I do the actual three on three game. I, agree. I I don't particularly care about the three on three game where you're going to have, you know, some great players just skating around and having a good time scoring 10, 11, 12 goals in three on three. I'm i I'm not excited for that, but when they come out with something like, like, do you remember the winter classic where they had the first puck pitch? Yes. Th- th- with, and that goofy stuff. Okay. So they added new events to the, to the skills competition, like pitch and puck, where you play yeah. a par four, right? With a yeah. puck, as I understand it.
1: Yes, it's, it's six players will play a par four golf hole with an island green using a combination of pucks and balls. The player with the lowest score wins. If there's a tie, the player with the longest drive is declared the winner. That is according to, uh, the ESPN definition of, okay. uh, the
0: and, golf
1: hockey and- crossover episode.
0: And there's also going to be a dunk tank, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm so, pumped for that one. That's going to be awesome.
0: So so this is indicated that as I've gotten older, my understanding is now that the All-Star Game is primarily made for the viewership of kids. Like that's mm. their target audience, which I'm totally fine with. But that's why I get hesitant about caring who gets in the game and who doesn't, because sure. at the end of the day, it's just going to be the biggest names going in there. You know, when... Uh, Austin Matthews, turned out he couldn't make it. Who are you going to put? Oh, you're going to put Barkov because it's in Florida. The All-Star game's in Florida instead of Nylander, who probably deserved it. Um, Yeah. And I never stick up for Maple Leafs players. So, you know, that that guy deserved it. And so I guess in conclusion, while I don't agree with putting stakes on the All-Star game, it just sort of makes it difficult to care. And I feel like getting wrapped up in... You know, I don't start conspiracies about, oh, our voting doesn't matter. But, like, does it, though?
1: I don't think it does. And
0: I don't think it does. So I'm I'm not putting it up with this and putting emotional investment into who gets in and who doesn't.
1: I agree. I think that there is a maybe a little too much controversy around that in the hockey community with people saying, this player was snubbed, this player was snubbed. And, like, I get it. But also, you know, it can only be so much. It doesn't really matter. And also – From my point of view, I mean, yeah, of course, I'm happy that there's however many all-star players and the teams I like going in. But then it's like, do I really need, you know, Kale McCarr or whoever to be in this game when maybe they should be resting for the second half of the season where it matters to get into the playoffs to win the Stanley Cup, which is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal isn't to have the hardest shot or to win the speed challenge. Of course, that's fun. But yeah, I think unless if you're
0: Matt Barzell, then it totally matters and you're faster than Conor McDavid. Continue.
1: Then it totally matters. I think that for me, yeah, I think that this generally has evolved to become a, a gimmick almost for the NHL to try and increase viewership because it is the least viewed and least watched of the big four sports, at least in America, in North America. And so I think that it's fair to say that it is really a gimmick. I mean, like you said, when you have players hitting targets, attempting to dunk their opponent in a dunk take, and the person who dunks their opponent first wins, it's hard to say that, you know, that's not a gimmick or this new 10 D tandem in which one goalie is shooting and one goalie is in the net. I, it's what? <laughs> yeah. He listened to this. The eight all-star goalies will take part in two team in par- take part in teams of two by division. Each team will have one shooting goalie and one in-net goalie. The shooting goalie will take a shot from a designated spot. He will earn 3 points if the shot goes in the hole, 2 points if he hits an in-net target, and no points if the shot misses the net. Based on how the shooting goalie does, the in-net goalie will face 3, 2, or 1 players on a break in parentheses. NHL shootout rules apply to forward progress. A save earns the in-net goalies team the full points, which is based on the number of players faced. Play continues until all pucks have been shot and the tandem with the most points wins. If there's a tie between the teams, the tandem with the most saves wins. If two or more tandems are tied, the winning team will be the one that saved the most three-on-ones, then the most two-on-ones. If there's still a tie, then the tied team will compete in a sudden death round of goalie goals. So, First of all, that is a mouthful. Second of all, if you have to explain anything in that much depth, it's not, I don't think it's a key part to this game. I think that it's merely fun. Of course, it's going to be fun to watch goalie shoot because we never get to. But it's silly that it's like you have to make the shot and then your other tandem yeah. goalie has to save the shot or else that's a lack of points. And then it's about the differential, not the total. Uh, what? Just Now,
0: now, now uh, imagine you're andre vasilevsky and you've been selected to participate in this goalie tandem and you've read all the rules and you're participating in this and the rest of your teammates who are so talented are taking a week off in barbados right you you really want to be doing this no you don't Uh, but it you know what's your responsibility as a sports icon as a member of the nhl are you doing your due diligence to help grow the game I, i i don't know but I sure as hell would want to be in Barbados yeah, with the if, Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: I agree. If I've got the choice to be in Barbados and take a week to relax my muscles and my mind and prepare for something big ahead, um, as opposed to going to South Florida to, you know, play in games that have zero bearing on my stands, my stats as a player or my team. I feel like I know what I would pick, but then again, it's fun. These players get, I'm sure a lot of money from press appearances from Mm. brand deals in that way and good for them. Plus it's good for the teams, individual clubs, especially those who maybe don't have as big a viewership to have those all-stars go in and have people watch them good for exposure. So I don't know, but it'll be interesting. The rosters are really fun um, for this year. I think, you know, we don't really have time to go through all of them as a whole, but I'm intrigued. The head coaches, we've got Ron Brindamore for the Hurricanes and Jim Montgomery for the Bruins for the um, for the Metropolitan and the Atlantic division, respectively. In the Central, you've got Peter DeBear for the Stars. And in the Pacific Division, you've got No Shock, Bruce Cassidy for the Golden Knights. Still weird saying right. Bruce Cassidy with the Golden Knights for me, personally. Still not used to that one. But, you know, I'm I'm intrigued. I think it'll be fun. I think the Pacific division especially has some really fun people in that uh, division. I think that obviously as an avalanche fan, I'm happy that we've got three all-stars in the game. Yeah. but I know. Yeah. Our Rangers have Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin and Igor Shosturkin as well. So, you know, good for them. Uh, Isles have Brock Nelson, Ilya Sorokin uh, devils have Jack Hughes, of course, Johnny Gaudreau for the Columbus blue jackets. Um, there's right. a, there's a number of of interesting ones here but I'm I'm excited it'll be fun that's what it'll be it, it will be fun
0: so so I guess let's do a hypothetical scenario then all of these teams are playing their hardest okay yes. which team is the best team
1: which team is the best team oh my God um well they're well, all, they're
0: all playing a hundred percent
1: all playing a hundred percent hold on let me take a gander at this at these at these rosters once more with because you've
0: you've some big guys who when they're playing 100 they're a lot more valuable than just their on a skill so like a guy like kevin fiala or something sure
1: i think for my money ooh, i feel like i've gotta say the atlantic division because it's first okay. of all you've got you've got pasta you've got omar sure. and goal you've got tage thompson Dylan Larkin, Markov, sure. Kachuk, Suzuki, other Kachuk, Kucherov, Vasilevsky, Mitch Marner, and now um, obviously Alexander Barkov replacing Austin Matthews. Henceforth, yeah. i I would give it to them. I would give it to uh, to the Atlantic Division if I had to pick one at this point. What about you?
0: I I, I would agree just because if you have both goalies, which is Vassy and Olmark. You know, goalies in the all-star game, this is also something I noticed. They don't stretch out to make the save. Like, no. why would you Why would you do that? But if they're both playing, you know, if they're both going for it, um, you're, you're not going to be scoring. Even three on three, it's going to be tough to score.
1: Of course. I think it'll be fun. Three on three, of course, even then it'll be tough to score against, you know, Vassier or, or Linus Olmark. Oh, I love his name is Linus. I love that. It'll be very fun. That's what it'll be. I will probably watch the skills competition. I will probably watch the three on three game. However, I don't place Maybe. that much stock in it. The jerseys are cool. I like that. I haven't
0: I haven't seen them yet. Hold on.
1: There are leaks on Twitter. Technically, they haven't been exposed yet, but if you look up leaks, they're there. So I highly recommend checking those out. I think one team is pink and one team is blue, something like that. But it's pretty oh, cool. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You see, right. the the white with the with the blue and the pink for those. Yeah. So Interesting. I, like I think they'll sell well. I won't be buying one, but good for everyone who does.
0: It's very Miami. Very
1: Miami. Very it's Miami. It's very Miami. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it'll be fun. But with that, that will just about do it for us for this week's abridged episode of Five on Three. I know that this one was a little bit shorter, but, you know, I think it was a short but sweet just one. As just, just as fun. Just as fun. Short and sweet. Nevertheless. It'll be really fun to watch this All-Star game like we said and watch, you know, the fun events. And then we come back, we've got some really good hockey going on for the rest of the year. All three of the Metropolitan uh, New York area teams will be back on February 6th to play against their respective opponents that we mentioned earlier. Until then or until rather this upcoming week. For Nicholas Palmer and Samantha Bohr, myself this is us saying so long. hope everyone has a fantastic week. Happy very, very late Sunday night from us. And Five on Three is a production of WFUV Sports.